Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're reviewing Great Scott by Suzanne Enoch. This is found in the 2021 anthology Kissing Under the Mistletoe and is the third point fifth book in the Wild Wicked Highlander series. <laughs> the third point fifth book. <laughs> Gotta find a new way to say it to make you giggle. We've already recorded this once. And um, full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy from NetGalley. So this Cliff Notes series that we've reviewed the first three books in, the series is about three brothers who are forced to go to England and marry English women because of some negotiation her mother struck when she left their father that if they don't marry English women, she'll stop funding their estate. Okay, and now they've married English women, and they're back in Scotland. For Christmas. Slash Hogmanay. And Christmas is not a thing, even though this is a Christmas book. <laughs> it made me really happy. <laughs> All right, let's read the book jacket, which is two sentences. It's, it's the description off. of the novella from the anthology, so it's not a real jacket. It's not a real jacket. I mean, it's on the jacket, but... It's a tiny little, it's two senses. Okay. In Great Scott by Suzanne Enoch, Jane Bansell knows she will never have a fairy tale life. But even at three and 30 and well past marriageable age, though, she has to admit that the architect the McTaggarts have hired could turn even a confirmed spinster's head. Whew. Um, why inaccurate. Is, and why is that though there? <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, I so he's know. not like a random architect brought to the land. He's her cousin. And he does have a different last name. <laughs> he does. But they are first cousins. Well, <laughs> he's first cousins with the Wild Wicked Highlanders. He's not first cousins with Jane. Oh, no, that'd be gross. <laughs> Just to be clear. So, uh, as usual, we generated a random number and wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. And we only had seven to work with here, so I'm not sure if we did better or worse. Meg, what was your summary? 33-year drought ended by Christmas in Scotland. Yep. Yep. The drought being Jane's love life, in case you missed that. Yeah, it's not like it didn't rain in England. <laughs> All right, and mine... Poor relation gets Christmas happily ever after with Scotsman. And happily ever after is written as H-E-A if you're wondering how I got it to seven words. All right. What are the tropes in this book? I mean, is is Christmas a trope? Yeah. So Christmas. This is a Christmas novella. Well, Scotland's also a trope. And this is, is in Scotland with Highlanders. Um, she's a sad, tragic orphan. And a spinster, because she's she's old now, because she's 33. Practically dead. <laughs> Practically dead, says the 32-year-old. Um, he was scarred in a horse accident in his youth. Yes, he was. So, scars. He's also a widower. He's been widowed for seven years. Yeah, his wife was taken by the fever. <laughs> of course she was. It's not funny, but it's also funny. 
Uh, and he is an architect, which is not a romance novel trope, but is a romance novel trope. I mean, a, a modern romance trope, because it's one of, like, three careers that uh, writers in Hollywood seem to know about. So I'm including it. Fair. So um, let's talk about what we liked and were not so hot on in this book. I was hot on everything. <laughs> Lane loves this novella. She loved it. I loved certain things. I loved that he... He, he has a scarf, but he only has one eye, so he has an eye patch. Like a pirate. Like a pirate. I, I, I also thought it was just really well done how Suzanne... It's really well done how Suzanne Enoch talked about it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of... I've read a lot of guys with an eye patch because I read a lot of historical romance and... <laughs> was gonna... uh, yeah. Why, Meg? A fair number of them are pirates or pirate adjacent. And they've lost eyes, okay? His was lost when a horse bucked him onto a nail eyeball first. Yeah, the horse... I had to read this twice, actually. I remember really well. The horse um, bucked and and landed on its back. You know how horses do that? So the horse landed on its own back on a fence. And so he broke his leg and got his eye gouged out by a nail. This is a really light, fluffy novella. It really is, actually. And why did I love that he had an eye patch? And why did I think Suzanne Enoch did such a good job? Well, whenever she would use one of those eye metaphors, which of which there are quite a few in the English language, she always made sure that it was a singular eye. <laughs> the consistency, the commitment. I was really impressed. I actually, like, I'm not kidding. I thought it was really great. I just thought they were both so well-suited. Like, not only are they both sort of the quiet one in this big, rambunctious family, they're both also sort of outsiders to the mm-hmm. same big, rambunctious family. Yeah. They're both avid readers. Like, I, I know that's not enough to base a marriage on in three days, but... I just really bought their dynamic and their chemistry, and I liked that her character was so consistent. Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I liked is, so her character, you may not remember Jane from the novels. I didn't. (gasps) (laughs) I know, shocking. But I... As I read, I was, they, they described her, and I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that now. She was in the very first book. Yep. Uh, and she was Amy, Amy's companion, so the heroine of the first book. Uh, and she's 15 years older than her, and she's lived with Amy's family since she was 17, right? Um, as the poor relations, really servant, but... You know, she didn't sleep with the servants. I don't think, supposedly she got paid, but I don't know how much she got paid. And now uh, what they're really trying to do is to show her that, you know, you are a valued member of our family. You're not a servant anymore. But the way they try to show that they value her is by inviting her to do all these things that she doesn't really want to do. Not because she feels like an outsider, but because she doesn't feel like it. Yeah, they're like, come to the jewelry store with us. And she's like, I don't want to do that, you know? (laughs) Is this part of my job? Because then I'll go. 
Yeah, and she keeps saying that. I actually, because I, I misunderstood myself when I first, I thought it was well done. Yeah. Come to think of it. So, like, they, they would say, well, we're going to be going to have this special breakfast in town. So come and have breakfast with us. And she was like, are you, basically, she'd be like, are you ordering me to do it? And then you're like, of course we're not ordering you to do it. You know, and she's like, well, I really don't want to go then. And I was like, oh, she's she's trying to find a place for herself. She's trying to make herself be useful. And if she's not useful, then she doesn't want to go and impose herself. But really, she just doesn't want to go someplace and have to be with a lot of people she doesn't know. Right. She'd rather an activity that isn't hers. Right. She'd rather stay home, read a book. And I was like, oh, once I figured it out, I was like, yes, me too. Totally. I would rather stay in my library under a little blanket reading my romance novel. Duh. Uh, and that library was like the most romantic thing in this book. Oh, my God. I know. I know. He draws. So he's an architect. And as we've discussed, and in one of their first conversations, she sort of describes her ideal library and not only does he listen to her he then puts pen to paper and draws it for her he designs it for her and not only are we like suckers for libraries but it was like the first moment of hope and vision she'd had of herself as just not someone getting by Mm -hmm. because she's been in survival mode right whole adulthood right and it was just the sweetest moment and it was just Yes, Scotland and snow and fire and piles of books. That is everything I've ever wanted on December 24th. Leave me alone. And then at the end of the book, he's like, look, look more closely at the library plans I gave you. And there's like a little where's Waldo moment. And she's like, look, I see you. You drew yourself in the library. Well, and then there's an even bigger like moment of I was gambling on you wanting me. That is just so cute. Anything involving a library, I'm like a hell yes. Yeah. All right. I will say I liked this. I would have liked it even more if it had been just three weeks instead of three days. Because <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, literally, they meet. We have this, like, maybe two-hour conversation. And half of it is him drawing. And they're talking about architect stuff. And then the next day, she goes to his house to talk about more architecture stuff, and they kiss. And then the next day, they go on a walk to the town, right? Mm-hmm. And then that night is Christmas dinner. And they so see each other, and they're like, "The day they kiss in his office and the day they go on the walk are the same day." Oh, my God. Okay, so the day after that is Christmas dinner. Mm -hmm. And then that night they sleep with each other and they're engaged. Yeah. I can't tell you how no problems I had with it. (laughs) Just none. I had absolutely no issues with that at all. Um, My favorite part of it, in fact, was the arbitrary deadline you think is being imposed by the story is New Year's Day. Right. Nope, they just knock it all out Christmas Eve. Fuck that extra week. Don't eat it. They don't eat it. They don't Loved eat it. it. Loved it. I, I, I was like, I just don't, I don't know. They, they could have stretched it out. I get it that it's a novella. Like, I understand. But 
she even could have had a montage like the first day they did this the second day did they did this by the end of the first week they were blah 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 i don't know didn't need it <laughs> yeah and i i understand i think i do hold a different standard for how i want plot construction and like character development to work in a christmas themed thing yeah as opposed to like a more traditionally structured book sure one they're usually novellas which obviously you kind of plot pacing wise expect something slightly different but first of all yeah whatever conceit you want to give me to make it happen on christmas eve do it 24 hours plenty of time don't care (laughs) two like i think we both get frustrated sometimes when we feel like there are heroines who don't have ambition or who Mm -hmm. don't think about the world they live in or who don't think for themselves and First of all, she's a character who's been so defined by trauma that you completely understand why just, like, domesticity and a husband and a home that's hers is all she can dream of. Mm -hmm. But two, like, it doesn't matter how ambitious or career-minded or independent you are. On Christmas Day, you're probably with friends and family. And so I think within the structure of a Christmas novella, I'm so much more willing to be like, yeah, no, that is what you want on Christmas Day. No one's thinking about their job. Even yeah. though, question, who pays him as the town architect? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know. He's probably on retainer by his cousins. Yeah. But, yeah, so he's, and he's also the librarian. Like, I just, I found it also cozy and adorable that I was fine hand-waving away the three-day thing. Sure. Uh, any content warnings? No. And, like, I mean, the one would be Matthew. Yes. Okay. So. You guys may remember Matthew. We hated him. We continue to hate him. Mm-hmm. He was the uh, he was the driver for the conflict. He was really the driver for the romance in the second book because he was being blackmailed to marry his sister off to a villain. And Lane and I were convinced that the fourth book in the series was going to be Matthew dying and Elo- actually we thought Matthew was going to die before they got married yeah. but now they've gotten married so the hope is that he'll die and leave for a young widow and we can get a fourth book in the series you can dream but why are we mentioning this under content warning because it's actually the content warning that didn't happen it's like scandal bride he's the scandal that never was it's the content warning that never was Matthew didn't he didn't have a, a word to speak. I don't even remember them mentioning his name. And I yeah, loved it. The rest of them showed up. The rest of them had speaking roles. Not him. Because fuck him. That's right. He's not dead, so I guess that's a content warning. He's dead to me. But he's dead to us. <laughs> <laughs> How sexy was this book, Lane? This was like... A slightly more explicit Hallmark movie. Mm-hmm. Slightly. And there's, yeah. there's some good tension-filled makeouts and cuddles that I thought were really cute in character building. But, I mean, the sex was gratuitous just so the climax of the book could be a climax. <laughs> the climax was a climax. It's fine. I was not into it. I honestly thought that their first kiss was pretty hot. I liked it. And then they snuggle in the back of the hay wagon to keep her warm. And I thought that was really sweet. So 
I liked that moment a lot. I like the moment where she swans in in a red dress for the first time. Because I like that you bought she was willing to make an effort for him, but wasn't suddenly going to be a person who wanted attention. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked their conversation when they were walking around town. Yeah. I love the conversation where they were talking about houses together. And when she realizes he wrote a book. And, like, I really liked a lot of moments of this. The they're going to be engaged by midnight on Christmas Eve. I'm not going to complain that first he unwrapped her out of that red dress and they had sex. <laughs> I'm not going to act like it was vital to the plot or that uh, there was enough lingering because there wasn't. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, for me, it, that I think that was the issue. Like, if it had been, like, more intense, like, more in-depth, more explicit, okay, include it. Right. But what it was, <laughs> I was like, I was like, eh, you know, you could have just left it out. And I probably would have felt the same way towards this novella. Which is very interesting. Yeah. I think what worked for me was their dynamic, too, that they were so upfront and honest with each other. Like, these are two adults who, from the moment they met, are considering each other as potential long-term partners. Mm-hmm. They are very blunt-spoken about their concerns and the appeal of this situation for them. That I did feel... <sighs> if it's going to be gratuitous, have them get engaged first. <laughs> Sure. I don't know. Or have it be more gratuitous. That's what I'm saying. Just make it more gratuitous. And I probably would have been like, okay, sure. <laughs> this is why we're not in charge of anything. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was a cute ending to the series. I thought it was a fun way to go back. To be honest, I love the third book, but I really liked this potentially more than even that. Like, this is a new favorite Christmas novella for me. It is not one of my new favorites. But I'm really, really glad that it's here for you, Lane. And unless something happens to Matthew, this is the end of the Wild Wicked Highlanders, as far as we know. I mean, you never know. Francesca and Angus are going on a European trip. Maybe they'll invite along Matthew and Eloise to accompany them. And on their way over the channel, Matthew will just fall overboard and drown. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>